Her gravestone reads, Born December 3rd, 1963. Departed this earth February 25th, 1990. At peace, March 31st, 2005. To whom do I refer and why? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, your host, and with me today is Rabbi Erwin Kula. Rabbi Kula is the president of CLAL, the National Jewish Center for Learning and Leadership, a leadership training institute, think tank, and resource center located in New York City. Known as both a provocative religious leader and a respected spiritual iconoclast, Rabbi Kula was ranked number eight in Newsweek's list of top 50 rabbis in America. He is the author of Yearnings, Embracing the Sacred Messiness of Life, and has appeared on the Today Show and on Oprah. Good day, Rabbi Kula. Hi. Thanks so much for joining us today at the Clinician's Roundtable. Great to be here. Today, we are discussing issues and care at the end of life. The answer to the person we're talking about, obviously, was Terry Schiavo and the ordeal she went through and how many people got involved, federal legislatures, state, federal courts, U.S. Supreme Court, the governor of Florida, the president of the United States, U.S. Supreme Court, and even the pope. With all these high-powered people involved, <laughs> what's the doctor to do to best serve and protect his or her patient to the end? Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, as a human being, I guess what I would want from my doctor, I can answer it as a patient, what Please. I would really want from my doctor, what I've watched the good doctors do for the people who in my life have passed away and who have been ill, especially at the end, is what I want from doctors is honesty and compassion. Now, Honesty means you know the context and you tell the truth in the context in a way that people can hear. So all I could tell you is in general. Then there's each particular case has its own dynamic because some people hear truth in different ways and some people need different words to be actually access what it is you're saying to them. And different members of families need different ways of being spoken to. So it's really, really hard. There needs to be humility at the end. It's hard because in some respects we're taught, society-wise, that death is a failure. Let's use Mrs. Schiavo as a stepping-off point. A patient has reached the point where there is no return. The doctor knows that objectively, medically. If you were counseling the family about withdrawal of care, what would you say to them as a rabbi? There I say, look, very honestly... This is very sad. This is where we are, where we are right now, according to the medical profession. And it really is in, in the hospital that we're in. It's really unanimous. There's, you know, ethics departments here, and there's, and there's a variety of different kinds of health professionals and health practitioners. And this doctor who has been, you know, part of this case and this person's life for however long, that this person is not going to recover. Now we have a decision to make. The doctor has given us all the information he can give us. Because now it's about the nature of how we think about life and death and the relationship that you have to this person. But what you need to know is there's nothing more that can be done from the medical standpoint. But now there's a conflict. You know, the parents say no. The husband says yes. Can you bridge the gap? We've talked about forgiveness in other sessions. And how do you... Reach a consensus. So Can I don't you? think this is a doctor's issue now. This, I think, now becomes a psychological, spiritual question. Well, doctors need to know about that, so yeah. please, so I, let's I, go I that way. I would say this. That first, many of these disagreements can be alleviated 
by having these kinds of conversations before one is in this position. And we need to be able to have these conversations. And I know that in my family, I know what my parents want. And by the way, they want different things. And even though one of them wants, not only do not resuscitate, but like if you can do it even before it gets to DNR, like nothing even heroic before it's heroic. And the other one, my mother said to me, I want you to do every last thing. Now, it turns out I actually, I'm more in tune with my father's take, but I will honor my mother's wishes. Now, I have five younger brothers. Each of my brothers has had this conversation with my parents. And six brothers, obviously, we have different feelings. But our goal is to honor the relationship with our parents. And we have to thrash through with them. Now, if you do this before, and this is doable before, especially nowadays when the truth is because of all the medical advances, for good and for bad, people can hang around a lot longer. And people are dying for a longer time and dying conscious and dying much more aware until that last bit. We have to be able to encourage those conversations. That's the job for every rabbi, every priest, every minister in this country has to have these contexts and environments for this conversation. And doctors from their end need to encourage patients to be asking this question. You need to have this conversation with your children and anyone who's going to be involved in the decision-making. So that's step one, how much can be done prior to. And that's a cultural shift that only happens because leadership begins to do it and talk about it. So doctors really need to basically speak with their elder patients. They need to speak with people who have been diagnosed with a serious illness and get that conversation going between the family members and the patients so that patient's wish is honored. Correct. And they have to volunteer in their churches and synagogues and mosques and community centers. They have to say, this year I'm going to give at least one night. I'm calling up some institution that I'm committed to where values are the a kind of the basic resource of the place. And I'm saying, I, want, I call up my rabbi, I'm a doctor, I call up my rabbi, or I call up my priest, I say, you know what, I would like to make an offer. You pick a night that we can do it, and I want to offer in our church, in our synagogue, in our mosque, the dilemmas of end of life for anybody who wants to have a conversation about the real things you need to do. And I'm doing it as a doctor and as a member of this community. Not only as a doctor, but as a member of this community. So that's how you proactively begin to change the culture so we can have the conversation we're fighting against a lot of stuff. We're fighting against an entire culture that sees death as an enemy as opposed to death as one amongst the most significant processes of living. I'd like to interrupt for just a moment to welcome those who have just joined us at the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, and I'm speaking with Rabbi Erwin Kula. We're discussing issues at the end of life. Can you recall... Perhaps the single most poignant moment for you in helping a congregant face death and how you helped them. (laughs) I'm going to try this. My father-in-law died six weeks ago. So he wasn't a congregant. He was my father-in-law. And I knew him for 31 years. So that's like a good portion of my life. I turned 50 last week. And he had pancreatic cancer. So not the nicest way to die. And the last eight weeks really... They weren't so good, and they weren't so much fun. He, you know, old school, he didn't talk about his feelings. He's not a therapeutic kind of character, not spiritual that way, but real, you know, kind of salt-of-the-earth character. And 
the biggest thing I learned was actually be present and do this. Instead of asking someone who you love, now we're talking about, how do you feel? It's, how do you feel about dying? Hmm. And it's very scary to say, but actually not scary to the person at all. You know why? No. They know. They're not stupid. Guy went from 200 pounds to 98 pounds. He was 101 pounds in the bed. He knew. He was in hospice. He knew. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. asking that question, how does it feel to be dying? And to have the real conversation, which is always pushing, to confront the real fact as opposed to beating around the bush. So, what kind of answers have you gotten to that oh question? Oh, my God. I've, one of the things that I, I, my father-in-law said about three weeks before he died, I said to him, actually, are you scared of dying? Not are you scared. Mm-hmm. Are you scared mm-hmm. of dying? Are you having any dreams that are different than the dreams you had before? Are you having... Really, you have to pinpoint. So this is an amazing story. He says to me, you know, Owen, I, I really wasn't scared at all because, you know, I understand. I'm, I'm not scared. That's not who I am. But last night, I got really scared. This was two weeks before he died. So I said, well, Dad, like, what were you scared about? He says, I was, like, drifting off, and I didn't know the difference between up and down. I say to him, oh, you mean you were confused? No, 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 no. It was like there was no up and down. It was like just, it was just like one. Now, he's not a religious person, so he didn't know oneness and Buddhism. It was like just, it was one. I said, and what happened? He said, well, I got scared. I said, oh, my God, I'm dead. Mm. And I said, and what'd wow. you do? He said, I said, why'd you get scared? He said, I got scared because I told Gabriella, that's my daughter, his mm. granddaughter, that she didn't have to come home to say goodbye this week. She can come home next week when she's supposed to come home, mm. and I'm going to be alive, and she'll say goodbye to me then. Mm. And my, yeah. now I'm crying already. Yeah. He's not crying because it's not about him crying. It's about us crying. Yeah. And I said, to him, well, what did you do? He said, I came back. I said, what do you mean you came back? How did you come back? Step by step by step. Wow. Now, I can tell you 15 stories like that of the last six weeks. Because when you're willing, my experience is it's rarely about the patient being reluctant to share. It's usually about our reluctance to receive. For yes. good reason. It's scary. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, but, and that's why I wanted to talk about this. But it's always going to where it's uncomfortable for you in a gentle way. It's not going to be as uncomfortable for the patient, I've discovered, as we fear. And then you get these kinds of moments, actually. You get these I'll give you another moment. It was Sunday. It was a Sunday. It was his 80th birthday. He lived till his 80th birthday. A bunch of us came. And then the hospice even said, he's going to die in the next, you can hear him as a whisper kind of thing. He's probably going to go into a coma in the next 24 hours. And, and he's probably going to die in the next 48 hours, as much as people can understand that. Turns out, Two days later, he's still alive. So I go visit him. I go up, and he could barely speak. So I'm in bed, and he says to me, Erwin, you really don't know when you're going to die. Now, he says this very whispering, Mm. but you really don't know when you're going to die. And I I start to laugh a little bit, because, like, what do you mean you're going to die, you know? (laughs) He said, when I went to sleep Sunday, it was one of the greatest days of my life. And I thought, okay, now you're going to die. It's okay. And here I am, talking to you. So I asked him, now, here's what I mean by asking it real, not asking yeah. it fake. Yeah, please. Dad, was there any benefit to being alive the last two days? Now, that's wow. a very scary question, and no you need kidding. shake. Wow. Was there any benefit to being alive the last two days? Because if there was, I really want to know, because yikes. 
And if not, then we'll continue going through the family and saying, what are you worried about this person? How do you want to say goodbye to this person that maybe you didn't do? And mm-hmm. it'll help mm-hmm. you die. He looks at me. He says, you know, whispering voice, there was one benefit for the last two days. What is it, Dad? Mom has been telling me hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times that she loves me. Oh, my God. Now, that's what you get if you're willing to ask the question that's scary. And there's a note to end on. I'd like to thank Rabbi Erwin Kula, who's been our guest, and we've been discussing issues at the end of life. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg. We welcome your comments and questions. Please visit us at ReachMD.com to explore our on-demand and podcast features, which gives you access to our entire program library. I wish you good day and good health.